This is Halloween, this is Halloween, 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 Halloween. Wait a second. This is a variety show with no particular niche, baby. It's always about hanging out. Maybe we'll laugh at some stuff, maybe we'll learn something new, but it's always about hanging out, me and you. Welcome to that Halloween special thing with James. <laughs> Hello, my loves, and happy Halloween. I am dressed up in costume. For the audio-only listeners, I'll let you know. I am dressed as a prominent figure in the anarchist community and in silent films. Yes, Charlie Chaplin was an anarchist. Look it up. I, today, am going to be talking about haunting things. I found a few articles, one I read, one I haven't read, depending on where we end up. But I'm going to be talking about haunted places. But first, did you know I record bonus episodes? Yes, you might have known. But if you didn't know, I do. Every time I record one of these free episodes, a bonus one comes out at the same time. And you can get access to them at patreon.com slash thatthingwithjames. Support an independent artist. I like to say, save a pigeon, feed an artist, that's me. Support an independent creator, though I hate the term content creator or creative. This is so fucking vague and corporatized vague fucking HR speak. I hate it. I hate it. But if you love this and if you want to help support it, go to patreon.com slash that thing with James, support the show and get access, full access to all bonus episodes. While we're on the business end, you can find my comedy shorts. Yes, I record comedy shorts on, well, on my YouTube channel, which if you're not already following or subscribed to, please subscribe to it. That would be very cool. If you don't know how to find it, go to youtube.com, type in the search bar, that thing with James. My channel will probably be the first result. Click subscribe and you're golden. Um, where else was I going? But another place you can see my comedy shorts is on TikTok. My handle there is at TTWJ Productions. That is at TTWJ, as in that thing with James, Productions. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram. My handle on those two is at James J. Asher. Uh, you can find my subreddit, and please, I encourage you to shitpost there at r slash that thing with James. Last but not least, you can email me nice things and more. What I would find more valuable is ideas stuff, topics, questions to cover here on this show. Email those things to me at thatthingwithjames at gmail.com. And once again, please subscribe to my YouTube channel if you're not already. And if you really want to, I encourage you to become a patron today at patreon.com slash thatthingwithjames. Patreon.com slash thatthing 
with James. I have to enunciate. G, g. If you hear sirens in the background, I, I might be surprised. I can't tell. I'm not wearing my monitor headphones because I'm wearing a bowler hat. Uh, and I'm not going to wear both things on my head at the same time. Um, dead comedian Mitch Hedberg would say, uh, were I to do that with the fake mustache, he might say, I got a lot of shit on my head. That's one of his jokes. He saw a dude wearing sunglasses, a goatee, headphones, and a beanie, and earrings, and he was, he was like, man, that guy's got a lot of shit on his head. I mean, if you imagine that, it's very 90s. It's very late 90s, early 2000s. Because that aesthetic was still the same thing. And, you know, culture hangs over just because you enter into a new decade. It doesn't necessarily mean that that decade has come into itself on its own uh, in an aesthetic, cultural, and political sense, like in every sense. There's usually like, uh, you know... Almost a, well, if it, we're talking decades, I'd say there's like a two to three year hangover. Um, even, even now, although culture and aesthetics are just becoming so, they're developing in uh, unprecedented ways because of uh, interconnectivity, because of social media. But that's not what this episode's about. This episode's about hauntings, hauntings, hauntings. So let me think. The first haunting that I ever experienced that I can remember was when I was a, a kid. So somewhere between ages 6 and 10... I, when I was living in Bernardsville, New Jersey, um, it's a very wealthy town. We had one of the smaller houses. <laughs> Regardless, we lived in central New Jersey. Um, and I understand some people would contest the, the concept, the very existence of there being a central New Jersey. But I'm here to tell you, there is a central New Jersey. And I lived there for childhood times. And we lived in an old house. And I am pretty damn sure that that house was haunted. Now, one of the more loose things is I would wake up at certain times. Later, what I would find out was considered the witching hour. And there would be weeks, uh, you know, just strings of days that I would wake up at the witching hour. And then it might stop for a little bit. Then there would be another string of days where I would wake up specifically as soon as the witching hour struck, I would wake up and I would be afraid that there was someone or something watching me from outside my window. And I, my bedroom was on the second floor, second story of this old house. But the thing watching me was not down on the ground outside. No, it was up on the same level as my window, was my concept. I would make sure that my blinds were closed ever tighter because I was afraid there was a witch 
floating outside my window, watching me, wanting to do, I don't know, horrible things that, uh, you know, witches do to children in old fairy tales. I now know that witches give the best head. Now, what really struck me with the haunting in that house was that which thing might not always be there, but I did always hear footsteps. And the footsteps came in a couple different ways. So I would hear footsteps downstairs. And I, but I knew my parents were asleep because their bedroom was also on the second floor and their room was down the hall and they would leave the door cracked open and I would be able to hear them both sleeping because I was, because I was there am their kid. I was familiar with their snoring and I could hear both of them every single time I knew they were asleep. Yet I heard footsteps downstairs. That was one form that the footsteps came in. The next form was in the effect of a footstep. Now, again, this was an old house. It had its creaks and moans as wind came, air pressure changed, the wood and joints expanding and contracting with heat or cold or humidity. I was familiar with all of these sounds. Yet I was also familiar with the types of sounds the house made when you walked on it. And I would hear coming up the stairs, and it was two flights. There would be about 11 steps, and then a little platform, and you turn, and then about seven more steps, okay? Is that 13 steps? Ooh, is that an Album by A Perfect Circle? Oh, The Patient. I would hear creaking coming up the stairs. So it's not like random parts of the two separate flights of stairs and at the platform in between. It's not like the creaks came at random areas on there, random levels. No, I heard the creaks, the sound ascending from the first step up every single step. Up across, you know, you take the two or three steps to cross the platform, turn, and come up the final steps. And, oh, how wonderful. My bedroom was right at the upper landing of that second flight. I was right there at the stairs. So if something were to come up all the way up the stairs, my bedroom would be the first stop. Great. I'm freaked out now. I would creak open the door, my bedroom door, which I did not leave open. Also, the closet in my bedroom felt fucking weird too. It felt like there was something in there. But... I would hear the creaks coming up the stairs. Let me describe the creaks. It was the kind of sound the steps made when placed under pressure of someone's foot and full body weight. That is to say, when you're walking in an old house over a hundred years old, 
and you're walking and you step on some stairs, the stair kind of bends and creaks under your, your weight. That's the kind of creaking noise these steps made sequentially, pre- progressively up from the ground floor all the way to my bedroom door. I would crack the door, look out into the gloom, listen. The creaking would stop. I wouldn't hear the footsteps anymore, but I would get the sense that I was not alone aside from myself and my parents down the hall. I would get the sense that there were multiple people downstairs on the ground floor. So I would creak my bedroom door open and see nothing, hear no more creaks coming up the stairs yet, just get the general sense, the feeling that there were people downstairs. So I would slowly step out of my bedroom and head to the banister before getting onto the stairs. I would look down the banister, crane my neck around, afraid that something might reach up and grab my face, a skeleton hand perhaps. (laughs) No, that didn't happen. What happened was I would look to see if maybe there were some lights on downstairs or listen keenly. Was there an intruder, a living intruder, that is to say? Yet I would hear nothing, yet I would still get the sense that there was something. So I would ever so carefully tiptoe as lightly as I could down the first flight of stairs up at the top and get to the mid-landing. And there I would stop and look, and listen, not really hear anything, not really see anything, yet still get the impression that there were people downstairs. So I would descend even further down the first flight of stairs, or second, whichever direction you're going, and stop halfway, and look over the banister, and crane my neck around to see toward like the dining room and then the kitchen. The lights were all off. I didn't necessarily hear anything with my ears, yet I still got the impression, the image in my mind, and I could hear it in my mind's ears and smell it with my mind's nose, cigar smoke. I would get the impression of cigar smoke, and men, maybe like three men, white men, middle-aged, and whiskey, and a, for some reason, a chimpanzee. They had a chimp with them. They might have been circus people, but whoever they were, they were playing cards in the kitchen. The same thing happened every single time. I would hear the steps coming up the stairs. I would sneak almost all the way downstairs and stop and hide and try to see or hear something. Is dad up? Maybe. Maybe that's not his snoring I'm hearing in his bedroom. No, that was his. Downstairs is partially empty. But for the impression, the impression of men smoking cigars drinking whiskey, 
and playing cards around a table in the kitchen. Who knows? Maybe that's what happened there. I don't know. But when you're in an old place like that, there's likely to be hauntings. And there's also very much likely to be hauntings in theaters. Yes, live theaters. Probably even movie theaters now because it's so common. But I remember uh, one of the first theaters, live theaters that I worked in, it was called the Shawnee Street Theater in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. It has since been condemned and it should have been <laughs> long before I got there. Hold on just a second. I need to wet my whistle. Today I'm drinking, as always, Waterloo Sparkling Water from Austin, Texas. This is a seasonal flavor spiced apple. And mm, 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 is it delicious? I'm going to take a drink real quick and I'll be right back. Mmm. Yum. That was delicious. Or, as Dora the Explorer would say, Dora the Ex... Mm. Let's start over. Mmm. That was delicious. Or, as Dora the Explorer would say, yum, 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 delicioso. Now, as I was saying, theaters are very, very haunted because there's lots of emotion. Just look it up. I could do, I ought to do a whole episode about haunted theaters, why theaters are so haunted. And the idea is that because there is, there are so many people experience, experiencing such a collective super energized wave of emotions or variety of emotions that the space captures that energy, captures that emotion. And the space will sort of absorb it and repeat it. And this is an idea. This is an actual thing called, what is it? Ah, yes, stone tape theory. I'm going to read a little bit of wiki for you here. The stone tape theory is the speculation that ghosts and hauntings are analogous to tape recordings and that mental impressions during emotional or traumatic events can be projected in the form of energy recorded, quote-unquote, onto rocks and other items and, quote-unquote, replayed under certain conditions. The idea draws inspiration and shares similarities to the views of 19th century intellectualists and psychic researchers, such as yada, yada, yada. Um, the idea and term stone tape were retrospectively and inaccurately attributed to uh, British yada yada. Okay, who believed ghosts were not spirits of the deceased, but simply non-interactive recordings similar to a movie. So yes, there's this idea that a space and certainly stones and certainly types of stones can record events, especially if those events are highly energized, usually from a heightened emotional state. You'll hear a lot. You'll hear about Zach Bagans talk about this stuff in Ghost Adventures. 
It's one of my favorite shows. I love Ghost Adventures. Zach Bagans is a fucking, he's a hoot. I would say that man is a trip. (laughs) So the first time I ever heard about uh, stone tape theory was when I was in Ireland. And this was before I had ever worked or played in a theater. I would learn about theater hauntings somewhat later, maybe uh, two or three years after my visit to Ireland when I was 15. But my first stop on that trip, because we went to Ireland and then to the UK, um, my first stop on that trip was Dublin. And I took a tour of a notorious prison called Kilmainham Jail. Although in this case, jail is spelled G-A-O-L. If you've played Elden Ring, you've probably encountered that word and perhaps wondered, how the fuck do I pronounce this? It's just jail. It's just another spelling. It's sort of a, I'm, I would guess, a sort of Gaelic, Celtic-esque spelling of jail. And our tour guide talked about, uh, you know, completely unprompted. This was not a haunted tour. This was a, you know, straight up uh, legit historical tour, history tour of this historical, horrible place called Kilmainham Jail. And he said, while we were walking through a corridor, he noted that the stones that made the jail are limestone. That limestone is porous and that this place, this jail, is uh, famously haunted as fuck, right? And he said he had experienced things there too. And he said, he straight up theorized, he told us there's this thing called stone tape theory that, you know, Stones will record events happening and then replay them like a recorder. And that limestone, being a very porous stone, was excellent at taping things, taping events. And that got me thinking, hmm, I wonder what are these details about Kilmainham Jail? So I looked up an article here at hauntedrooms.co.uk. I've not read this yet, but let's let's go through it, yeah? Kilmainham Jail, Dublin, Ireland. Dublin, Ireland. Kilmainham Jail is a former prison in Dublin, Ireland. Opening in 1796, it has housed some of Ireland's most notorious criminals over the last 200 years. If I remember correctly, I've, I think the place for a long span housed the most women and children out of any jail in the world or something like that. And that a lot of them were buried on the grounds. So when you get to the grounds, there's a lot of stone on the ground and uh, you're just walking on a big fucking grave site there. The whole place is a grave site. The eerie dark, this eerie dark jail is Ireland's largest unoccupied prison. If you walk around the prison cells and echoing corridors, you can get the vivid idea of what the people imprisoned here endured between 1796, 
when it was first opened in 1924, when the jail closed. Many of the criminals who were confined here died, and perhaps the most eventful was the execution of those responsible for the uprising in Ireland in 1916. Pierce, Connolly, and their co-conspirators were ex executed here, and a plaque in the courtyard remembers those that bravely faced the firing squads. Today, the jail is a museum, but many of its previous inmates remain. The ghosts of Kilmainham Jail. Poltergeist activity, dark entities, great song by Bauhaus. Wait, that's dark entries. Is that a song about buttholes? Apparitions and disembodied voices combine to make Kilmainham Jail one of the most haunted locations in Ireland. The chapel. One of the first reported hauntings of Kilmainham Jail dates back to the 1960s, when the jail was undergoing renovation, ready to open as the museum you see today. During these renovations, the governor, Dan McGill, was stationed at the jail with his family in the old warden's quarters. Late one night, he was looking out over the courtyard when he noticed the lights to the chapel were on. He ventured out to investigate and found nothing unusual, so he turned the lights off and made his way back to his quarters. To his amazement, after taking just a few steps, he turned around to see the lights were switched back on. This reportedly happened several times throughout the night. Several mediums have also reported an evil entity in the chapel during their visits. Ooh, what could it be? The dungeon. Perhaps the most shocking ghostly experience happened during the same period as Dan's. Whilst a painter was working in the dungeon, he was suddenly hit with an unseen force that pushed him right across the room, pinning him against the wall. Having to fight to get free, the man was terrified, leaving all his equipment there. He never returned. Disembodied footsteps. Another common occurrence during restoration work was the distinct sound of footsteps running up to the workers, then stopping next to them. Numerous people experienced this. They felt a sudden icy chill come over them when they looked up. The trudging of boots as if a soldier's parade was going on was a regular occurrence. Kilmainham Jail today. Visitors to this day are still experiencing some creepy paranormal activity. They often report people in period dress to the tour guides, only to learn their apparitions. The chapel area gives guides and visitors the creeps, with people often reporting they feel as if an evil presence is watching them. Other strange occurrences uh, include sudden cold spots, strange noises, disembodied voices, and cell doors slamming shut. There, has, there have also been instances of visitors slash tour guides being pushed by an unseen force. Very, very interesting. I think there's something to stone tape. 
Now, I know the... I always forget what they were called. They're located in what we now call England, and they are sort of warlocks. They're sort of like nature, witches and warlocks. They're associated with Stonehenge, which I have been to. Um, they wear white cloaks. I always forget what they're called. It starts with an H, whatever. They, you know, they kind of worship and protect nature. These uh, sort of pre-Christian um, thing. These people. What the fuck? Hold on. I'm going to look this up. This always drives me nuts. Druids. Duh. They're druids. Um, druids, and I'm sure some other cultures believe this too, but what I understand is druids... One of their beliefs, one of their perspectives is that stones, stone and rocks were the and are the historians of the world, that they were conscious, that they move, and that they are the they record the history of the earth and nature and events that happen. And even even simply as if you want to take a scientific perspective, that's 100% right. You learn about a place. You learn about what it used to be from examining the stone, the soil, everything there. Um, and indeed, rocks do move. They migrate over time. Um, the landscape sort of moves them around, and perhaps they move with the landscape. Druids believe that they were conscious, you know, I, 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 unless I'm mistaken here. Um, I, I do think there's something to that. And I think that might, that could, that could lend itself to stone tape theory. And a theory of mine, a theory I have is that, yes, 100%, yes, I believe in ghosts. I believe in supernatural things because I've personally experienced things. What's, what's um, that sci-fi writer wrote that, you know, um, magic is science that we have yet to understand or, you know, science today to someone 100, 200 years ago, it might appear as if magic. And every year, every new discovery, it's almost as if science is discovering magic, especially in the quantum realm. Um, but here's my theory. It's waves. It's vibrations. And that could, that could work with like string theory that they're all, we are all just strings, like single strand of energy vibrating at a cer certain rate, a certain frequency to form different types of matter that behave in different ways, right? I think that's what it is. My theory is that, yeah. There are, there could be aliens and all sorts of supernatural shit around us that we have no idea about simply because our instrument, our bodies, and the instruments we make, the tools we use, 
just simply have yet to record them because we certainly have tools that can prove that there exist things on certain frequencies, sounds, light, and frequency in waves that our bodies, our human organic instruments cannot perceive, right? So what if there's more? What if there's more going through us and us around us all over? What if there's, there's got, there could be so much going on that we just simply don't know about because say it's on a different radio station. Say you're tuned into a certain radio station then something tunes. If you're on a long drive, if you have ever been on a long, long drive on the highway, a long trip across country, and you were listening to the radio station, then you may be familiar when one radio station starts to give out. Maybe often it'll go into static, but sometimes it'll pick up on another radio station that's kind of tuned into the same uh, channel, the same frequency. You will hear another radio station bleed in. I can remember times when I'd be on the highway listening to a station and it only would happen if, say, a semi-truck, like a long-haul trucker, passed by. I might pick up on what they were listening to on my radio. Who's to say our bodies do not behave in the same way? And that perhaps when the quote-unquote creepy, the unexplainable, the so-called paranormal happens supernatural, supranatural. What if when we can perceive that, if only slightly, that is another frequency just kind of bleeding into our own radio station, which really makes you think if your thoughts work on the same, in the same way, how many thoughts are you picking up from another radio station? Are all of your thoughts your own? Find out in the bonus episode. Yes, you can get access to this week's bonus episode once again and all previously recorded and released bonus episodes and help support me, help support this show, help make it more gooder at patreon.com slash that thing with James. Once more, that's patreon.com slash that thing with James. In this week's bonus episode, I'm going to go a little bit deeper into my theory here about frequencies, waves, and then I'm also going to cover some stuff that I've never known before. I knew a little, I knew some of it, but haunting, haunting, haunted places here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I love you. Happy Halloween. See you soon. Bye. <laughs>